in the morning when you need the news that matters most. We have a constitutional right to publish this story. We are the fourth estate and we will hold the powerful accountable. You need the front page. Wait, what's the fourth estate? Us, the press. And everyone knows that? On the press box. Because I feel like people always say the fourth estate, but they don't actually know what it means. I think everybody knows what it means. I thought the fourth estate was time. That's the fourth dimension. I thought the fourth estate was Georgia. With Graney and Bischoff. No, not state, a state. You thought I was saying we're the state of Georgia? Adam Candy in today for Ed Graney, who will be out at Raiders OTAs today. And we start the front page with Adam's favorite talker, uh, topic, soccer. The United States beat Morocco 3-0 in a friendly yesterday. Some context, Morocco ranked 24th in the FIFA World Cup rankings. They're actually pretty good. The United States will play Uruguay on Sunday. Uh, I'll give you a quick notes you can write down to keep in your head, Adam, for when you wake up Sunday to watch the U.S. play Uruguay. Uh, Christian Pulisic did look like the LeBron James of soccer. Matt Turner, our goalie, made eight saves. Uh, also, over the last, I think, five years, the United States has allowed has uh, allowed nine penalties. Only two of them have actually been scored. And Brendan Aronson played a new position. They put him in midfield. Usually he's a winger. He was excellent. Might have been the best player on the field in a brand new position. Aren't you excited about the World Cup in five and a half months? I'd like to go to Morocco on vacation someday. <laughs> to watch them play the United States. It'd be fun, wouldn't it? Okay, I mean, if that's our compromise here. What are you, my girlfriend? This is how she and I plan vacations. <laughs> I don't know. If I were your girlfriend, Tyler, it might explain a little bit as to, uh, you know, why we work so well on the show together. Just chemistry on and off the air. Happy to move on to the, to the next question here, Aaron. More soccer for Adam Candy today. Ukraine beat Scotland 3-1 yesterday. That is a World Cup qualifier. There is still one spot left to be determined in the World Cup. Ukraine will now play Wales on Sunday, and the winner will go to the World Cup. And that team will be in the group with the United States, England, and Iran. Uh, Wales is the better team of this matchup between them and Ukraine. Um, there is obviously the backstory of Ukraine that makes them a very fun story to go for. And I will be cheering for Ukraine not only to win this, but to make it to our group, because I think that gives the United States a better chance to get out of the group. How many minutes of Ukraine and Wales will you watch, Adam? It's a World Cup qualifier. It's one of the biggest games of the year. Now, is this available on television, or am yes. I going to have to like tune in some rabbit ears or something? No, no I'm pretty. Uh, I'll look. I'm pretty confident this is on ESPN two. The, the one yesterday was on ESPN two, so I'm pretty confident this one's going to be on ESPN two as well. Now, in all seriousness, seeing the images of the Ukrainian fans yesterday was heartening. Uh, for a country that has had very little to feel positive about for months now, seeing them have that team to rally around made it almost impossible not to cheer for them on principle alone, and I will be pulling for them as well. They're one of the things that I think I dislike in sports is when you get a coach that doesn't react like in an you know appropriate way to the moment. Like go back to when Villanova won the national championship on a 
buzzer beater three, one of the greatest plays in college basketball history. And Jay Wright, no celebration, immediately walks to go give a handshake. I hate that. Ukraine's coach yesterday was phenomenal. He was right there with their fans in terms of like understanding the significance outside the realm of the actual game as to what that meant for Ukraine. And I love seeing that type of stuff. I, I totally get where you're coming from. I am going to relate back to my minimal experience from playing sports in high school and talk about when we were in the state tournament my senior year, I remember after the final point, when we had pulled off a huge upset, we beat the number one team, My the rest of my team was jubilant, jumping around. I remember just kind of having this out-of-body moment where I was standing there just sort of like looking around like I was watching it on TV. Like, just trying to take the whole thing in in the moment. I wasn't, like, jumping around, pumping a fist. Like, so I will say there is a place out there for us weirdos who just kind of look around and are like, wow, what just happened? Yeah, the place is at your house by yourself, not on TV. Get out of here. Be excited when something good happens. And I can confirm that the Wales-Ukraine game is ESPN2 and ESPN+. Plus. There you go. So you can get some rabbit ears or something to watch it if you really want to, Adam. A company man, Danny. Well done. Next question. The Nationals general manager says they will not trade Juan Soto. Mike Rizzo, we are not trading Juan Soto, he said on Sports Junkies 106.7. The fan, we made it clear to his agent and to the player. Um, we see a lot of baseball teams not want to pay their best players. We see a lot of baseball teams trade their best players or one of their best players often before having to pay him. I still can't figure out a logical reason as to why the Nationals would trade Juan Soto. He is 23 years old. He has two years after this of team control left. I Whatever rebuilding plan you would have if you're Washington, Juan Soto would be a part of unless you've got something stupid in mind like waiting a decade. Like Soto's gonna be good for whenever you plan to try to be good. I just can't figure out the logical reason other than we don't want to spend money as to why you would trade Juan Soto. This is a franchise that won the World Series in the last five years. Like, they clearly are willing to spend in the right situation. They just had a core that happened to be aging and or coming up on huge paydays like Trey Turner all at the same time. Now, you can't probably pay Trey Turner what Trey Turner is going to want and pay Juan Soto what he's actually worth. So I think that Washington made the only choice that it could logically and decided to sell Trey Turner while keeping Juan Soto. Look, he is the best hitter in baseball when all is right. And clearly not all is right with that team and with Juan Soto this year. So it would be insane. And you know what? Good on Mike Rizzo. How often do we get on GMs for equivocating and saying he's a member of the franchise right now or we don't intend to trade him or anything that is something in the middle. No, Rizzo came out and said, we're not trading him. Thank you. We appreciate that. Uh, we have a Nationals fan. Danny, how would you feel if Juan Soto was traded? I would be extremely sad, but I have a feeling that Rizzo's telling the truth. He won't trade him because they just won't be able to work out a deal and Soto will walk in free agency. <laughs> I mean, Which Soto's already turned down an offer, supposedly of, I believe it was somewhere around 13 years, $350 million. So he oh, either that... wants less years or more money, and that's something that I don't think the Nationals can give him. 
No, I, and by the way, just to speak, if the, if that's the offer, let's just use that as a number. If it's if the offer was thirteen three fifty, that is an absolute bargain for Washington. If I'm Juan Soto, I'm clearly turning that down as well. The guy is twenty three years old. He is worth a minimum of thirty five million a year on the open market. It's just a matter of how many years he ultimately gets. And he came up so young that he's going to be that Carlos Correa kind of free agent. And I don't think that his off season for Carlos Correa bodes well for what I'm trying to do in terms of a comparison here. But in terms of having the age to go out on the market, Juan Soto is a guy who is going to get pretty much whatever he wants out there. Yeah, I think we're going to see him sign north of 400. And like I said, I don't think the Nationals can do that. Great question. The state of Ohio will have legalized sports betting starting in January of 2023. Uh, Adam, can you tell me why January and not like, you know, August when the NFL season is about to start? Boy, yeah, that'd be super smart, huh? Try to go open your sports betting market when people actually want to bet on things. But nope, that's not going to happen in Ohio. They took like two plus years to get legal sports betting in Ohio. And now they're... The law that was passed said you have until January 1st, 2023. And so the regulators came out and said, cool, we'll start January 1st, 2023. No, that's not the way you do this. They're going to miss the entire NFL season. And you know why? It's not about getting their brick and mortar sports books or their apps up and running. It's because they decided that they're also going to have these weirdo licenses for like gas stations and truck stops where they can put in these kiosks and it's going to take them forever to get everybody vetted for these things and so they want everyone to start at the same time so the reason that you won't be able to bet on DraftKings or FanDuel or BetMGM or Caesars in Ohio during football season is because Joe Bob's truck stop needs to get its kiosk approved before you can <laughs> okay how many states have like truck stops with kiosks like how many states is that where you have regulated licensed sports books it's not normal Okay. And it's also not normal to hold off on having your regular sports betting market start because of it. But these are the complicated things that happen around the country when you go to legalize sports betting. Those things are all through the lottery, and lotteries still have a lot of sway in the U.S. I know, here in Vegas, we don't understand that. Lotteries, what are those? They try to put them into the legislature every couple of years, and every couple of years, the strip goes, <laughs> No. Uh, the other question I had, so LegalSportsReport.com, story on this. You guys Good site. That. Good website. I suggest you spend lots of time there. Uh, the, Ohio was going to have 46 licenses. How, how do states, and I know New York had like one, but how do states determine how many licenses they're going to give out for sports betting? Yeah, so New York ended up with, New York's a weird situation. They have nine sports books available to them. Now, what they do is they create this enormous amount of licenses to try to say, well, we want to be fair to everybody. We don't just want it to be the big major operators that have an opportunity to compete. What you're going to see happen is that they're going to have 46 licenses available. I would be stunned if they use more than half of those licenses because what they ultimately do is they look at the casinos they have, they look at the professional sports teams, and then they kind of go, okay, well, each of the teams can have two partners and each of the casinos can have X partners. And then that's how many sports betting brands you can have, right? That's how many different commercials you're going to be seeing. So if you want to look in Ohio and say, well, what are they doing? They're trying to make it everything everyone. And in the end, there's just no need. It's not going to work that way. 
But when I'm at a truck stop in Ohio, I'll be able to place a sports bet in January of 2023. Yeah, because you won't already be doing it on your phone while you're getting <laughs> gas. You're going to need to walk inside to the truck stop and place it at a kiosk. Off the top of your head, which state has done like the dumbest thing in regards to license and sports betting? Oh, it's not even close. It's Washington, D.C. Oh, God. Washington, D.C. has the dumbest setup you could ever see. They decided to let their lotto vendor, who has never done sports betting, have the only sports betting app in Washington, D.C. The only <laughs> one available, except if you have a professional team, that team can have a different partner that has an app available within a two-block radius of the stadium. So you can have BetMGM, but you have to be within two blocks of the stadium to use BetMGM. And the app in D.C. is so bad that, A, it crashed during the Super Bowl, and B... <laughs> The retail sports books, as in Capital One Arena, where the Wizards play, where the Capitals play, you know what happened? They turned some of the ticket booths into places where you could place a sports bet in person, and that has routinely, by multiples of four or five, outperformed the app that you can use on your phone from anywhere. People are more willing to go into downtown D.C. to place a bet in person than they are on their phone. So hold on. If like if it's bet MGM, you've got to be outside of Capital One Arena to place the bet. Like you might have to leave your house to use your phone to place the bet outside of Capital One Arena. Oh no no, that's Caesars. You can use the Caesars ah. app. You can use the Caesars app near Capital One. <laughs> you can use the bet MGM app near Nationals Park, but you can't use the Caesars app near Nationals Park. You can only use the app that is geofenced to that stadium. It is insanity and oh by the way the guy who pushed it through the washington dc city council uh ended up in under fbi investigation ah well of course uh as long as it's easy for the consumer why not coming up next that andre vasilevsky guy's not very good is he you're sitting in the press box with graney and bischoff on espn las vegas follow them on twitter at ed graney and bischoff underscore tyler Adam Candy sitting in today as Ed is out at the Raiders practice facility for OTAs. We'll see um, how much stretching they get and how far away they are from actually watching the limited portion that the media gets to see as Patriots West is uh, pretty realistic in terms of access so far for the Las Vegas Raiders. Last night, we had game one of the Eastern Conference Finals in the NHL. The Rangers beat the Tampa Bay Lightning 6-2. to two. And Andre Vasilevsky, who has been the best playoff goalie in hockey for multiple years now, gave up six goals on 34 shots. That's an 8-2-4 save percentage. The Rangers' expected goals in that game was just under three. And he gave up six, three goals more than expected last night. Most likely a blip for Andre Vasilevsky, but what are the Rangers' chances of winning this series? Coming into game one, Dom Lecision of the Athletic, his model had the lightning at a 65% chance to advance past the Rangers. What do you think that should be after game one? 64 uh, realistically, I mean, look, the, the Lightning didn't play an awful game last night. They just looked sloppy defensively. And I, the, the XGF number on Vasilevsky doesn't make a ton of sense to me having watched that game because there weren't a lot of plays he could have done much about. Almost every goal you see from the Rangers 
comes off a pass that made Vasilevsky move or a pass where Vasilevsky had no time to react. He didn't give up those, you know, anti-Ranta, Mike Smith kind of bad goals. Those those were not the goals that were going in. So that seems a little weird to me. And the betting market, by the way, doesn't believe that there should be much change either. I went to look last night at the series price after game one. Rangers having won a game already and having home ice advantage were minus 120. The Lightning were plus 105. Okay. So still favored a little bit. Okay. Um, here's here's my – I gave a half-hearted take like two weeks ago on this show that I like so much that I want to be a real take, but it's it's not. But it's, it's aged pretty well, especially after these last two days. Uh, I basically said if I ran a front office, I would never pay a goalie a significant amount of money because it's too volatile and you get – uh, too many good goalies that are suddenly bad for a season. Obviously, somebody like Andre Vasilevsky has uh, been great for a long time. But that take has aged well the last two days where we had an 8-6 game and a 6-2 game. Okay. Would you pay Igor Shosturkin? No. They already did, though. They've got him, I think, like three more years at five-something million like that. But, like, that, I mean, he's sort of kind of an example where, like, what he's doing this year would be brutal to pay him off of now they paid him before this year but like this is the year you cannot pay Igor Shesterkin off of you've got to do it at a different time and to take it to the Golden Knights we saw Marc-Andre Fleury in his mid-30s had a career year in year one and they gave him a contract extension then all of a sudden they were in cap hell had to trade him away for nothing Mikel Hakarainen for two days and that was that. So, but my half-hearted take that I wish I could actually say is 100% what you should do is to just never pay them. I'll, I'll take my victory lap for two days because, you know, game two of this series is going to be one nothing after three overtimes. I have a very important sports talk radio debate to have with you right now, okay, Tyler. Let's go. Right now. Who is the more legendary Golden Knight? Mikhail Hakarainen or Vadim Shipashev? Oh, it's Shipashev. 100% Vadim Shipashov. Well, A, he actually scored a goal and, and played a game here, which I guess maybe hurts his case. Yes, but, it absolutely hurts his case. <laughs> but he gave us, well, not us, he gave the Russian media that we eventually got back translated, gave us the quote about being alone in this village and the, or the um, way to get to a water park was too smoky because he had to walk through a casino. It, phenomenal quotes. Like, that was a guy. They signed that guy for five million dollars and was like this could be our number one center right and he's the age was like all right when we're actually good in year three this guy could be one of our better players too and then started the year by not explaining to him or maybe they did and he didn't comprehend it because it was in a different language uh you're not going to be with the nhl team because we've got to have Jason Garrison traded for something. Cause God, if we put Jason Garrison on waivers, we might lose him. So y you're going to start in the AHL. And then eventually they found room for him. And I don't think Gerard Gallant liked him very much. And he never played again. They forced that guy to retire from the NHL. Well, then the golden Knights didn't choose Gerard Gallant either. But when it comes to <laughs> this debate, let's go back to the fact that Mikhail Hakarainen is, He's Kaiser Sose. He, he is the man who does not exist. Do we know that he actually exists? Do we know that they didn't just want to give Marc-Andre Fleury away for absolutely nothing? Like, is this a real human being? And that, to me, makes legendary, right? Like, he spent two days, essentially, as air quotes, part of the Golden Knights organization. There's no way he was ever in Las Vegas. 
And so when we look at the the past of this franchise, that someone will ask, oh, well, what'd you get back for the Vezina Trophy winning goaltender, Marc-Andre Fleury? <laughs> and the answer is going to be a fake player for two days. <laughs> Mikkel Hekarainen, um has played played 26 games in Sweden this year. Oh, so. yeah. Yeah, and I have a Canadian girlfriend. You've just never met her. <laughs> he scored three goals and had 14 total points in 26 games. Um, yeah, he might not be real. But they also, like, the Golden Knights have done that a couple of times now where they trade for somebody who might not be real. I mean, well, the trade got got rejected eventually, but they traded Evgeny Dodonov for two guys that were hurt. One guy that's just, McCrimmon was like, yeah, he's just going to stay in Boston and he's going to count against our salary cap. They're they're really good at trying to trade for guys that have absolutely no use to them. Why can't we get that deal? I want that deal where I just, quote, count against someone's salary cap. I make my money and they just say, just stay at home. I don't really need you here. I mean, I, I think you have to be like, you know, top 1% good at something that is oh, an whoa, that, no. in an industry no. that pays a lot too. And then I want to do that. You probably have to suffer a pretty significant injury and then you can do Ooh. that. Okay. Now, both those things are impossible for me. Now the one area is where you don't have to suffer an injury and you might not have to be top 1% is like being a coach. Like buyouts have to be one of the greatest things that have ever happened to the coaching industry. Pete DeBoer cannot coach for 12 months and make $3.5 million. He's got that Thad Mata deal. It's a very, very, very impressive. <laughs> uh, breaking news, by the way, for uh, if you're someone who wants to bet on the NBA Finals, uh, looks like Gary Payton II is going to be available to play in Game 1. And uh, why is that remarkable in this discussion? Because we were just talking about how you know injured players can sit at home and collect money. Gary Payton II had a fractured elbow yeah. less than a month ago yeah. and is going to play in an NBA game tonight. That is amazing. I was going to say, that was a significant injury. What, what, does play, what does play mean? Is he still in a sling? What, how is he back? I have no idea how he's back. All I know is he is suiting up for the Warriors tonight. And look, if he is at all effective, he is their best defensive player. That would change the series quite a bit, I think, if he can actually go at some reasonable level. If he is on the floor at any point tonight and you're Boston, you have to start by just not guarding him, right, on the offensive end. You just say, all right, if that guy, if he makes a shot, we might change this, but we're just going to play five defenders against the other four Warriors, right? Oh, without question, but of course you weren't really watching him much when it came yeah. to offense whether he's healthy or not but yeah to the other end of that on the on the uh on the offensive end and on the defensive end this defense i'm gonna make him have the toughest defensive assignments possible all night long i want to see how healthy you really are i want to see you get back down all night long so you're you're get, you're getting him into as many switches as possible is basically what you're doing well until he proves that he's healthy i mean if he comes out and looks like he can still, you know, move his feet and stay in front of you, sure. But otherwise, I don't know how you keep yourself uh, from trying that. Would would you? Would that change where you would bet on this game? Like, would that actually do anything for you? No, no, no. It's, I don't think you'd. No, because if I think if you bet on the Warriors, you're betting on the Warriors being able to score, right? I don't know the defense is necessarily your concern with Golden State. The question is, can they score against this Boston defense? And I think that doesn't really have much to do with Gary Payton. I don't know if it's like the three full days off without basketball, but I am 
I am excited for the NBA Finals, and it's like I completely forgot that I hated the last two weeks of basketball where we got one close game in like 20 days. Like I was, it was, it's, it's been like the worst postseason ever because of the conference finals. And I've like completely forgotten about it. And I'm all excited for game one and first quarter is going to be 28 to nine. And I'm going to be like, Oh, here we are again. I was watching game seven of the Eastern conference finals. And after the game was over, you know, I found myself when I don't have a dog in the fight, I'll just kind of let my, let my feelings be my guide as to who I want to win the game. And I'm watching and I'm like, do I want to win this game? And I felt something very foreign, Tyler, as a New York sports fan. I was really happy that Boston won the game. I was really happy the Celtics won. And I thought to myself, oh, yeah, because Warriors Heat would have been a terrible series. <laughs> it would have been bad. It would not have been fun. I'm glad we got Boston, too, which I, no, I'm not a New York sports fan, but cheering for Boston's kind of gross in anything, right? I mean, nobody likes to do that except people in Boston. So it is it is a bit foreign. But here we are. Just give me a close game. I was so excited we had a Jimmy Butler shot in the last 30 seconds to talk about if it was the right decision or not. Like I just just give me like 3 of those in this series and I'll be I'll be happy. Coming up next, Darren Millard joins the show. Moose, you just keep on moose and this doesn't concern you. Maroon is not just a color. This is the VGK Update with Darren Milsey Millard. Uh, Darren, do you think Ed is officially ducking you now? He's gone again. Yeah, a little disappointed in Ed. I was looking forward to uh, catching up with him, but uh, but having Adam in there is a great consolation prize. Makes me makes me proud and looking forward to this. You, on the other hand, Maroon won. Uh, or a totally different story. That's okay. Just so you know, I believe Ed is scheduled to be off again next Thursday as well. What's he doing? Like, is he uh, on a holiday? Well, no. Well, that'd be a long vacation. Um, yeah, last week and this week, he is out at uh, OTAs for the Raiders. They've got media availability right. on Thursdays. Um, I don't know what he's doing next week. He might be on a vacation because he's missing three days next week. So he might be going somewhere. But Ed doesn't really go on for vacations. three days. Like yeah, a vacation well. is supposed to be two weeks, isn't yeah. it? I mean, supposed to be. Ed, here's the thing: Ed doesn't go on vacations, though. Like Ed, Ed, the only time Ed really leaves and goes anywhere is when he's covering something. Which sometimes he might turn that into a little bit of vacation, but very rarely does Ed actually like leave to just go on a vacation. Really? So he has accumulated vacation days from 1992. Yeah, I mean, at some point he's just going to take two years off. And we're not yeah. going to see him at all. Adam, how, how many vacation days do you have? Well, I work for a European company that has that same idea of we're going to give you a whole bunch of time off and you have to use it. You can't carry it over year to year. So I don't know if Ed's ever going to take his time off. I think he's just going to retire at some point and cash it all out, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Maybe. But you, you, on the other hand, use every day, right? Well... I should use more of it than I do, Darren. I really should, except then I end up getting to the end of the year, and it's like December 15th, and I'll look, and I'll be like, oh, I have two weeks of vacation left to use? Well, I guess I'm not working until the new year. That's not a bad thing either. No, it's not, because it's the middle of prime sports season, right? Like, we're in the middle of hockey and basketball and football, and I can, you know, I I could just be a slug. Wow. (laughs) Hey, uh, I have a question for you, and I'm I'm glad you're here today. How difficult is it 
do you think to set the the over underlines right now in in these conference finals? Oh man! So I actually had this discussion on another network with uh, with someone from up in Toronto, and we were marveling at the fact that the line was set at seven for Game One for the Oilers of the Avalanche, and then we passed seven in the second half. period. Yeah. What's that? I saw it as low as six and a half at one point. Oh my god! Well, you know what it is for. It's seven and a half for tonight, which makes seven sense. and a half. Yeah, and well, so how, how much can you raise it from one game to the other? No, I mean, really, you can raise it up a half a goal. And and look, we just have news out of Morning Skate this morning from Colorado, and I'm curious uh, what you think about this. But it looks like uh, Pavel Francouz is going to get the start tonight. Yeah, uh, Darcy Kemper is, is still hurt. Uh, do, do you think that means we have another track meet between Colorado and Edmonton? Yeah, very possibly. Uh, I would think that. And, and here, I'll go a step further. Pavel Francouz is a good goaltender, but he falls under the same umbrella as Antiranta from the Carolina Hurricanes. Talented, effective, but has trouble staying healthy. So the Colorado Avalanche, uh, I, I would think, would be very, very concerned that they will have to throw in uh, their third goaltender at some point if Darcy Kemper can't come back soon. Uh, so that that even elevates uh, this uh, this idea that we're going to see uh, a ton of goals. But if if Edmonton can can play great and score a bunch of goals, uh, even on Darcy Kemper, who looked off from the start the other night, to be quite honest. Um, I think that they can they, they can add to it uh, to, tonight. I, I like where Edmonton sits, even though they're down a game. Uh, one backups in, and Edmonton gets to play their starter. And I think Mike Smith goes back in, and he's rebounded from Game One gaff against LA and being lit up in Game One against Calgary, and uh, was arguably the comeback player of the playoffs uh, in both those instances in Game Two. What is the lowest goal goal total of a winning team in the Western Conference Finals? Yeah, I don't think uh, that it's uh, below four. Uh, I don't think you're seeing any type of three-one, three-two. You you might get a four-three or a, or a four-two somewhere around there. I would I would think that you're in the fives. Like even even Edmonton after losing nine-six to Calgary uh, in in game one of the last series, like it, it didn't get locked down after that. It was it was five threes and five twos out, uh, and, and going the rest of the way and winning four straight. So uh, I, I think that this thing stays going back and forth. The coaches uh, want to play the top lines, and, and there's that. Uh, what can you do? Uh, I'm going to try and match it certainly uh, with with that. So uh, I, I think I think we're seven and a half. I'm still taking the over, and uh, we, we we talked about this on the Insider Show going into Game 1, that I was shocked at where, where it was uh, to start because normally Game 1s are a little bit looser. Uh, and I, I said right off the bat, like, I would have put it at eight, eight and a half. I mean, I don't know whether that affects how much uh, traffic you're going to get or, or, uh, or, or the, uh, the win-loss type of uh, variabilities, but I, I would have gone much higher with these two teams. Darren, I have a goaltending question for you, and it's going to be about you, but I have a follow-up then about the National Hockey League, okay? Was there a book on beating Darren Millard? Yep. Hit anywhere in between 6 by 4 
except for the <laughs> except for the middle between two feet off the ice to the top because I was really good at taking away the middle. Uh, with, okay. With yes. Sternum. Uh, That's it. Good job existing. A very good yeah, job existing. That, we appreciate that. That, that. is it. The shooter tutor and I were very comfortable in, in our own skin. <laughs> okay. So according to uh, Sport Logic. Andre Vasilevsky, of the 31 goals that he has allowed this postseason, 17 have been high blocker, and four of those were high blocker last night. Do we think that there is a book on beating the consensus best goaltender in the world outside of Igor Shosturkin this year? People will reach for that, but I think that's more coincidence than anything. Like, Look, look at the plays last night. Like they, they weren't setting up to go high blocker. Those were uh, one-timer after one-timer after one-timer. It looked like a practice uh, for the New York Rangers, the way they were going. And, and even the last goal flipped up. Like I don't think he was trying to go high blocker uh, there. The puck just happened to, to settle on the stick, and it was almost like it was, we call it the sweeper, uh, where, where he uh, is able to let loose uh, the puck. So uh, I, I think that if you're looking for something, you will find it there. But I think that's a coincidence uh, on, on Andre Vasilevsky. Like, uh, my buddy uh, Steve Alicat, uh is, is great at, at uh, uh, releasing every now and then uh, data from from Inside Atlantic's uh, firm, and uh, and he said of the of the five Ranger goals last night, four were high danger. That's the highest you can get, and the other one was a mid. Like it was just more the Rangers. Uh, capitalizing on on all their high danger chances. Now I'll say this: uh, the, the Tampa Bay Lightning were the better team last night, based on the data, the analytics. Uh, they just didn't convert. Yurcha uh, Sturkin was was all world. Uh, if Vasilevsky can can rebound, um, we'll, we'll we'll see what happens. But that that that's a goalie duel beyond anything uh, I've seen in a long time. Uh, I have a coaching question for you. Is this a fair characterization right now? that Barry Trotz is holding a few teams hostage that need a new head coach? I don't think so. I think he's taking his time uh, coming up with uh, what he wants to do. Now, do you know for certain that he's told some teams that he's not interested? I don't, uh, but I don't know whether whether that has happened. But uh, I think he's weighing out. He's doing the old uh, reasons on the left uh, not to, reasons on the right to, uh, make that decision, but uh, I, I don't know. holding them hostage is is a far leap. Is he holding up the process? Uh, like our teams waiting for Barry to make his decision? Uh, yeah, because every team with a coaching vacancy right now is in looking at uh, at Barry Trotz, and uh, it's been reported that they've all talked to Barry Trotz. So um, uh, he appears to be at. at at the uh, at the top of the list, uh, sometimes what happens here is is if you like the the most popular person, but you're not overly confident that you'll get him, teams will move on to to Plan B to try and get the next best available and try to go down that route. But uh, but I think I think even those candidates uh, are waiting to see what happens with uh, with Barry because it increases their leverage. Uh, both with term and uh, and monetarily. So he's so holding Darren, him hostage. No, no, I think he's holding up the process. <laughs> Semantics, those are, those, Darren. Semantics. I never, said, I never said the other word. Semantics. So, uh, so Darren, yeah. basically, what you're, you're saying that 
that sometimes teams use the same theory I use in dating, which is that you can look up to the top and see the most beautiful girl at the bar, but you probably look at yourself and say, I'm not sure this is going to happen and maybe set your sights a little bit lower and maybe it's more of a, you know, a possibility. Yeah, yeah, they're uh, they're, they're working the room. They're work yeah, they're okay. See, and they're realistic about it. I like it. Yeah, but 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 that hasn't happened yet. Everybody's still doing uh, the it's, other. Uh, it's only the, yeah. It, it's only like nine p.m. right now. The, the bar is yeah. nowhere near closing. Exactly, and that's okay. uh, that's the exact situation. Uh, you're, w- when Barry does make his decision, and make no mistake about it, with some of these teams, Barry interviewed the teams. Uh, I know that for a fact, uh, as much as as they interviewed him. Uh, uh, when he makes his decision, you are going to see a flurry of of activity on the coaching front. So, did the Golden Knights do well when Barry Trotz interviewed? Uh, I, I said some teams. I don't think that's the case <laughs> uh, with with the Golden Knights. And I don't. Know. It's been reported. I don't know uh, that exactly, but it's been reported that Vegas has talked to uh, uh, Barry, uh, and I, I think Barry's familiarity uh, with with a Stanley Cup contender. Would be uh, extremely uh, up to date. Like he will, he will have done his research, though. Uh, certainly on 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 what happens. I'm I'm curious to see where he goes. We we did the like the power rankings, the Barry Trotz power rankings the other day uh, on everybody that's available. And if you're trying to win a Stanley Cup, uh, yeah, the, the the Golden Knights would be at the top of the list. If you want to go home though, or or, or have some. Some uh, some strings tugging at your heart. That then Winnipeg's right in there, but but everybody else is kind of uh, fighting. And the other dark horse in this is uh, is Florida. If they don't decide to bring Andrew Burnett back, could they make a decision and go with uh, with Barry Trotz? That is an interesting one that I think uh, could uh, come into play. And, and then I'll, I'll just. Uh, mentioned this uh nick kiprios on, on my podcast last week the chirp uh, said there's some teams that still have a coach who are reaching like kicking tires behind the scenes to see if barry would be interested so it might be more than just the vacancies that we see right now all right darren get out of here text ed tell him that you're mad you haven't seen him for two weeks adam uh if you take those holidays give me a call we'll go out and we'll hang out <laughs> i love it I, I'm, I'm nobody's yeah. second option <laughs> no no it's you and i buddy Oh, thanks, Darren. See you, boys. So there is Darren Millard. Coming up next, what's happening with Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals? Hey, ask Josh if he's ever seen one of these. Uh, Oh. (laughs) Josh, have you ever seen one of these? (laughs) See what that is? I've seen one before. I've seen seen it. Okay. (laughs) Mental intimidation. You got to like that. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Greeny and Tyler Bischoff. Josh Allen's definitely going to win the Super Bowl, isn't he? That's going to happen very quickly. Um, I am very curious about the Kyler Murray situation with the Arizona Cardinals. He, uh, The report yesterday from Adam Schefter was that he's expected to be at OTAs and on the field with the Cardinals. Um, he missed some voluntary workouts last month, uh, but is expected to be there for OTAs now with the Cardinals. Here's Here's what I'm curious on. Kyler Murray, we've had a lot of uh, unspoken drama this offseason, deleting a bunch of stuff on Instagram, wants a new contract. He's still on his rookie deal right now. My curiosity, or what I don't, I guess, 
quite comprehend if I'm looking at it from the team standpoint. If you're the Arizona Cardinals and you believe in Kyler Murray, wouldn't you have already given him his new contract? Like, wouldn't you be done dealing with any of these questions, any of these like potential Instagram post leadings because you've already given Kyler Murray that next contract? And if, if it's as simplistic as that, Am I fair to assume maybe the Cardinals don't believe in Kyler Murray enough to pay him $40 million or whatever that dollar amount is for the next big quarterback deal? I mean, is it as simplistic as that? Or is it potentially more that the Arizona Cardinals do not want to set the precedent of rewriting contracts two years out? I don't know that the Cardinals are necessarily in a spot where they have to do anything. Kyler Murray can hold out, hold in, whatever we call it these days, and it's up to him. I mean, he's going to lose money as he does. Will Kyler Murray actually have the leverage to get what he wants out of this thing? And I don't think that the NFL is set up that way. So, yes, I don't want to play for a $965,000 base salary this year if I'm Kyler Murray. I've proven that I'm worth more than that. But I also have to think that organizationally, the Cardinals might be looking at this and saying, all right, if we rip up that contract two years before we have to, one, are we getting ourselves into a bad situation here if he gets hurt? And two, more importantly, are we getting ourselves into a bad situation with every other player on this roster who could try to pull the same thing? Is quarterback, and especially when you get a good one, and, and I think it's fair to question if the Cardinals should pay Kyler Murray $40 million or whatever that dollar amount is, but if we, let's just go under the assumption they think he's good enough, they're perfectly fine with eventually paying him. Isn't that position and a player that you think is good enough worth you know, ripping up the contract two years earlier and ensuring that he's happy and he's not upset with the organization. And if your defensive tackle tries it or some other position, you can be like, well, you're not the quarterback. So, yeah, you're not getting the same thing that Kyler Murray got. Like, wouldn't that position be the one that you would say, okay, it's worth breaking the norm of what we'd normally do or setting a precedent that we won't normally follow? Isn't that worth it at quarterback if you believe in Kyler Murray? Oh, 100%, Tyler. And, and part of what I'm factoring in here is, you have to remember, I've covered this franchise in the past. And I remember when the Bidwell family was thought of as one of the jokes of all of NFL ownership. And so it's better now under Michael Bidwell. But Steve Kime doesn't have a reputation as the most savvy GM in the league. Just look at the Hollywood Brown trade, which has been the most pan trade of the 2022 NFL draft. So I'm factoring in that Cardinals management is maybe not the most savvy when it comes to these things. Uh, I don't know that Kyler Murray necessarily deserves getting $40 million a year right now, but I also don't know that Jared Goff deserved his money when he got it or Matthew Stafford deserved his money. They're quarterbacks. You, you do have to pay it because it's the hardest position to find in the league. And there are reasonable questions to ask about how good Kyler Murray is and how well he will age. But I don't think there's any question that right now he is a top 12 quarterback in the NFL. And because of that, you have to treat his demands differently. I'm just saying the Cardinals organization might well look at it and say, do we feel like we have to do this right now? I don't know that they have to do this right now. And I don't know if Kyler Murray really thinks that he has the leverage to do it to them right now. So if you were Arizona, you would be perfectly fine giving Kyle, maybe not even right now, but eventually you'd be perfectly fine giving him that $40 million contract or whatever it ends up being. 
I want to see this year. And the other thing is, what I want to see is who is guiding Kyler Murray, right? Do we have the right coach and quarterback pairing? Because I don't think Cliff Kingsbury's it, and yet they just extended the guy. So I don't really understand where you extend the coach, you bring in a receiver who used to play in college with the quarterback, but you're hesitant on the quarterback. This isn't Baker Mayfield, right? Like no one in the Cardinals organization has looked at Kyler Murray and said, oh God, I don't want to play with that guy. Man, they should trade Kyler Murray, bring in Baker Mayfield and just save a whole bunch of money.